Good morning. A little chillier this morning, isn't it? That I see the center fill up. We uh, ought to start a hot chocolate ministry, right? I think it's time. Hot chocolate, marshmallows, all that good stuff. Hey, there are, are no sermon notes this morning. That's my fault. I apologize for that. I'll try to make the outline as clear as possible. And we finished Luke last week after about an 18-month run through it. And uh, we mentioned last week, we, in, in closing, we talked about the, this call to proclaim. Uh, proclaim repentance and forgiveness. And so we talked about that last week. And we mentioned some resources. And those resources we put in the e-letter. It's also in your app. And I encourage you to check those out as we close out that uh, chapter of our our church life together. So this week is just a uh, one-week message on friendship. I spent a two-hour lunch on Thursday with a close friend. Wow, wow, two hours must be nice. <laughs> must be nice. That's how you spend your time. I wish I had that sort of leisure for two-hour lunches. I see the elders now scrambling to write down notes. No, in all seriousness, this friend was a fellow pastor, and our topics included um, counsel on two complicated church-type questions, but most importantly, some personal challenges I was facing, or am facing. And on those, I did not so much need his counsel, though it was welcomed. I needed just to know that he knew and could help share that burden. Friendships like that are my lifeblood. This particular friendship spans 40 plus years. And this friend has always been there for me. And I have tried to be there for him. We have shared everything together. Dreams, hopes, laughter, dinners out, first job experiences, first parent experiences, graduations, holidays, empty nesting, our kids, marriages, and failures, many failures, failures as dads, failures as pastors, and tears, yes, many tears. I have been to his parents' funerals, and I suspect he will be at mine. I've drawn comfort from our friendship, comfort that makes the reality of living in a fallen world more sustainable, more joyful, more alive. You know, there's a myth floating around that developing close, intimate friendships is for the weak and emotionally needy people. And when that language gets into the church, it goes like this. All I need is me, Jesus, and the Bible. That's all I need. And yet, the most outstanding Christian of the early church, the Apostle Paul, surrounded himself with friends. And in one case, even withdrew from a receptive audience for the gospel because a friend failed to arrive. There's another myth that any close friendship over time will end in boredom, disappointment, or even hurt. So why get involved? Why try? It's not worth it. Yet Jesus knew his closest friends would run from him, even deny him. He knew that one friend would betray him with a kiss, but he did it anyway. 
Finally, another myth floats around that if I am really open, if I show affection, if I express need, it will come back to haunt me. People will not respect me. It's better to stay guarded. It's better to hold my cards close to my chest. Yet the Apostle John, on the night of the Passover, leaned over and rested his head on the shoulder of Jesus. Jesus himself was vulnerable, saying to others, My soul is troubled as he approached Jerusalem for the last time. Or on the eve of his crucifixion, he said to his friends, My soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow, or to the point of overwhelmed with sorrow, to the point of death. And Paul embraced the Ephesian elders before leaving them, wept with them, and kissed them. Paul said to them, There is nothing in God's counsel that I held back from you. John, Paul, and Jesus. Actually sounds like a folk band from the 60s. But John, Paul, and Jesus offer us a different vision of leadership and a different vision, therefore, of how we conceive of a mature Christian. It is not this self-sufficient, stiff, and emotionally closed leader, but these leaders revealed a connection to self and others that allowed them to be emotionally present. They could openly and without reservation express tenderness, affection, and love to friends. Paul said to a rebellious to rebellious church members in Corinth, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide, opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. That's 2 Corinthians, if you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians 6. 11 through 13. I'm having a hard time turning pages. It's too cold. But what leader speaks like that? Can you imagine the CEO of Chase saying something like that to stockholders at the, their annual meeting? Or a university president to her faculty? We would say they're weak. We would say they're inviting people to walk on them. Now, yes, it's a different context, but I hope you see how radically different Christian leadership is and thus the picture of Christian maturity. The ease with, with which these early leaders showed affection, the security to be vulnerable, the openness to share the Word of God, the interchange of personal lessons and insights, all this makes for the possibility of close spiritual friendships. And this is why spiritual friendships matter and why they are so vital, especially now during COVID. Even before COVID, the social dynamics of modern culture were separating and isolating us. That's a well-documented reality. Now, COVID restrictions have pushed that isolation to even greater depths. For long periods of time, people are in their homes alone. They work alone. And even sadly, many have even died alone. We need to understand spiritual friendships. And to do that this morning, I want to first define friendships. Secondly, 
define spiritual friendships. And then lastly, I want to explain the spiritual dynamic of giving and receiving comfort. So important now. Let's pray for a moment before we go on. Father, uh, in Jesus' name we pray that you'd help all of us set aside whatever distractions there might be in our hearts so that we can focus and pay attention to your words because they're so vital for us. They are life and salvation for us. So help us this morning, Father, and through your Holy Spirit, illumine and inspire and instill vision and courage in us to pursue spiritual friendships. Amen. Amen. Okay, this first point, what are friendships? Friendships, very simply, is a friendship is based on a common or shared interest. C.S. Lewis wrote in Four Loves, he wrote the following, friendship arises out of mere companionship when two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some insight or interest or even taste which the others do not share and which till that moment each believed to be his own unique treasure or burden. The typical expression of an opening friendship would be something like, what? You too? I, I thought I was the only one. Early on when I was getting to know Nick and Faith Carruthers, I knew something special was blossoming because we both enjoyed BBC English historical dramas. A very uniquely shared interest. Back in 2013, my middle son was in a very severe car accident and was hospitalized for five days. As you might expect, it was really a difficult time, very emotional time for our family. And one of the nurses there loved Jordan like, she, like he was her own son. Uh, we, she may have been there the first night. We can't quite remember that. But uh, despite that, she was regularly there for those five days and a part of his life. Her care, her attention, the level of communication were off the charts. It was like having a mom at the hospital. When we left and said our thank yous to her, we were in tears. We counted her a friend because we shared a common interest, the recovery of our son. Friendship is a shared, a common interest. And close friendships emerge when the friendship is not the goal, but when there is something greater, some truth outside the friendship that pulls it together. Again, C.S. Lewis from The Four Loves. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the truth? Do you see the same truth? Would be, I see nothing, and I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend. No friendship from that condition can arise. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about. And friendship must be about something. Now that prerequisite for friendship helps us move into our second point 
and that is the definition of spiritual friendships. And to define spiritual friendships, go with me to John chapter 15, verses 12 through 15. And here Jesus is with his friends, the disciples, at the Last Supper, beginning in verse 12. These are just breathtaking words on the eve of Jesus' death. He says to his friends, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. Jesus here distinguishes between being a servant and a friend. A servant is not welcomed into intimate counsel. They simply follow commands. Well, the disciples are servants in that sense. They follow Jesus' commands, but they are more than that because they are welcomed into a setting of comfortable and personal interaction with Jesus. They share the same interest. They have the same goals as Jesus. That is the goal of knowing the Father and doing His will. That shared interest is the basis of their friendship. And so thus, this is the meaning. Here's the definition of a spiritual friendship. It is a shared interest in knowing the Father and doing His will. A shared interest in knowing the Father and doing His will. That is a spiritual friendship. This is what creates a bond like Gorilla Glue to the followers of Jesus. This is why there is a mystical pull between believers who otherwise share no interest. There's a truth outside of you, greater than you, that creates a shared bond. I started receiving birthday greetings on Friday night from my friends in Asia. Now, my birthday was actually Saturday, and yes, it was the big 6-0. No applause, please. Only condolences. As, and of course, you know, the friends from Asia are 12 hours ahead. As the day went on, also many friends from Central America sent greetings. Now, these are friends with whom I share very little. They are brown. I am white. They are Filipino, Chinese, or Nicaraguan, and I'm an American. They like soccer. I like baseball. They have tortilla or rice for breakfast. I have English digestive biscuits. Sorry, TMI. I am 60, right? I like Russian literature. I don't think they do, but I suppose they could. We are different in many ways, except we share this common mystical bond of knowing Jesus that has made us friends. In the ancient world, putting this in some biblical context, in the ancient world during the days of Jesus, friendship was viewed much differently. Theologian Michael Byrd points out how friendship was defined in the Roman world surrounding the days of Jesus. He writes this, Philosophers like Seneca, and Cicero wrote much about the nature, benefit, ethics, and goodness of friendship. 
Yet this friendship was restricted to people of the same sex, the same social class, and the same ethno-tribal group. Friendship with social inferiors was impossible. For Cicero, friendship with its mutual assistance and reciprocal obligations was a practical element living within the city-state, sort of like having someone drive you to the airport because you'd do the same for them. For Seneca, friendship was merely a useful means for cultivating personal virtue, the Roman equivalent of being part of a self-help group. Conversely, in closing the book of Romans, Paul gives us a picture of friendships in the kingdom. Paul greets more than 30 people. This list, according to Tony Merida, points out, he points this out, that this list oozes with affection. But it also demonstrates diversity. Paul counts his friends, those of different race, rank, and gender, over and against the age that he lived in. Now, Paul additionally often described friends with designations that highlighted their partnership as well as his fondness for them. Uh, terms like co-worker, brother, or sister, beloved friend, partner, fellow prisoner, fellow soldier. Paul preached the grace of Christ, did he not? Yes. Paul was a great apostle planting churches, yes. Paul was training believers all over Europe and Asia, yes. Paul was suffering great persecution. These things we often talk about and appreciate, but we rarely talk about his deep commitment to friendship. Friends were with him along every step of the way. We see in the examples of Jesus and Paul a commitment to spiritual friendships. And again, to repeat, the meaning of a spiritual friendship is a shared interest in knowing the Father and doing His will. Let's move to the final point. Lastly, within this umbrella of spiritual friendships, I want to pay particular attention to the dynamic of giving and receiving comfort. As I mentioned, this is worthy of focus because in COVID, we have heightened isolation and we need one another and we need spiritual friendships in this time. We need comfort. It is not weak. It is not emotionally needy to acknowledge our need for comfort and deep human connection. Again, let's look at the example of the Apostle Paul. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul illustrates the spiritual dynamic of giving and receiving comfort. And as you're turning there to 2 Corinthians 1, we're going to see here that Paul was vulnerable enough to share his personal and emotional struggles. He was experiencing hopelessness. He was having that dark night of the soul where he is struggling with the feeling of why even go on? You ever felt like that? Some moment in time, some dark night, when it's like, why even go on? This is what Paul was going through. We don't know the exact cause, other than he suffered often and greatly in his previous ministry setting. Let's read verses 8 and 9. Paul says, We do not want you to be uninformed, 
brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That is the situation. Now, just move up a little bit, and I want to show you his perspective on suffering and comfort in his introduction to this book, beginning in verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3. Paul begins by saying, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you the patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Now, that's a lot of suffering <laughs> and a lot of comfort. Now, there's twofold here. Paul is a comfort giver but he's also in need of comfort. And as he experiences comfort, as he experiences comfort through his relationship with Christ, he then knows how to comfort others. He has battle scars. He has real experiences. It is not book knowledge that he's giving away. It is his real life experience with Jesus. This is a perspective that is, this perspective on suffering is unique to Christians, and therefore it is unique to spiritual friendships. For the believer, all suffering has meaning. All suffering has a redemptive effect. If I suffer without a God-shaped perspective, I will conclude that I'm the victim of bad luck or bad timing. But Paul saw his troubles not as the dictates of fate, but as God-ordained moments to form his character, such that he was more equipped to comfort and to love others. Friends, this is a profound view of suffering. It is accepting suffering not merely for self-redemption or self-improvement, but as part of a, design, of a divine design to be a healing presence for others. I say healing presence because it is not as much our words that bring comfort to others, but our presence that brings hope to our suffering friends. When we take their suffering seriously and confirm it, they have the sense they are not alone and they are not forgotten. This is the power of spiritual friendships and spiritual community. Did you notice what God's name is here? Paul says that God is the God of all comfort. That's his name. That's his specialty. That's what he's known for. It stands then that God is not rigid, stiff, removed, or aloof. No, God is engaged. He's effusive. He's emotional. He's expressive in his love. He moves towards us. He does not sit when you bring him your hurts. He does not sit back in his chair with arms 
crossed and eyes darting past you looking to the next conversation. He brings his healing presence to you. This is the God Paul knew and received comfort from. We of all people, friends, we as the body of Christ who know the God of all comfort should be boundless resources of comfort for others. Now turn to 2 Corinthians 7, 5. And we see this dynamic now in turn. Because Paul not only gives comfort, but what does he do? He receives comfort. 2 Corinthians 7, 5. Paul says this, For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. Paul is expanding on what he said earlier. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Now stop right there, because this is really important. How does God often comfort us? It is through others. Did you see that? Yes, the comfort is divine. It carries God's resources, but it comes through a human being. It comes through a friend. Verse 7, And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him, he told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Paul not only receives comfort from Titus, the presence of his friend, but also the Corinthian church. So Paul gives comfort, and Paul can receive comfort. This is the dynamic of giving and receiving comfort within spiritual friendships. Now, have you ever struggled to receive comfort? I have, and especially from people that I am leading. Did you ever notice that giving comfort is actually easier than receiving it? When you give comfort, you get to be the strong one, the one in control, the hero. But to enter into this dynamic, you also have to be able to receive comfort, which is to recognize weakness. Paul does that here, admitting there are conflicts on the outside and fears within that he cannot handle on his own. Spiritual friendships allow us a safe place to be weak. Travis Meadows writes country songs. And the big-name country stars eat it up. His lyrics are not about beer, dogs, and trucks, but about his own brokenness and his recovery from substance abuse. He has a song called Better Boat. And he uses a boat as a metaphor for life. And, of course, if you've been here for a while, you know most of this because I have quoted now three or four of his songs off this album. But in Better Boat, he affirms the value of friendships to bring comfort. It begins by saying this, I ain't lonely, but I spend a lot of time alone. More than I'd like to, but I'm okay with staying home. But how the last few months have changed. I'm smiling more despite the pain. And then the chorus, I breathe in, I breathe out. Got friends to call. This is the part that always gets me. (laughs) 
I practiced this twice and cried both times. I thought I'd get it out of me. I got friends to call who let me talk about what ain't working and what's still hurting. All the things I feel like cussing out. Now and then I let it go. I ride the waves I can't control. I'm learning how to build a better boat. The phrase that always gets me is I got friends to call who let me talk about what's still hurting. You know, some hurts stick around a long time. Some hurts don't go away. And when you have a friend to call and you say this still hurts, friends, that is golden. That is golden. And yes, friends that are not Christians certainly can provide this. And that's a good thing. It is a common grace that God gives to every person. But spiritual friendships have an added dynamic in that God can use them to bring greater and deeper deeper comfort because the comfort originates in the heart of God himself. God knows exactly what we need, even when we don't. And at the right time, at the right time, Spiritual friends can remind us that our troubles are light and momentary and are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Only a spiritual friend can do that. At the right time, a spiritual friend can speak to God in our presence on our behalf. At the right time, a spiritual friend can encourage us when our insatiable drive for comfort is taking us down a dangerous path. At the right time, a spiritual friend can remind us that we will see that loved one again. Not based on some flimsy Hollywood wish, but based on the fact of Jesus' bodily resurrection. At the right time, a spiritual friend can provide us a safe place to open up about the things I feel guilty over or the sins that have been done to me. At the right time, I can tell a spiritual friend the shame I feel where I hate the person I am. A truly spiritual friend can offer not only a safe place, not only a non-judgmental listening ear, but a message of forgiveness and freedom from condemnation. Only a spiritual friend can do that. Such is the benefit of spiritual friendships within the dynamic of giving and receiving comfort. These spiritual friendships can contribute to our overall mental health and well-being. They do that by providing support, a sense of connectedness, and emotional and spiritual comfort. One mental health study found that depression isn't contagious. That's cool. But a healthy mood is. A healthy mood is contagious. A spiritual community that is healthy, alive, accepting, loving is a great context to build spiritual friendships. So what have we done this morning? What have we done? Let's step back now and see what we've accomplished and what we've said this morning. 
We have defined friendship as sharing a common interest outside of oneself. We have defined spiritual friendships. They, are, they share the interest of knowing God and doing His will. And finally, we have focused on the capacity of spiritual friendships to provide comfort. So where do you go from here? Where do you go from here? Well, friends, keep in mind, spiritual friendships do not begin with an activity, but as a way of being. If I see Jesus, if I see myself, if I see his mission in the world, I will be in the right posture to pursue spiritual friendships. If I am passionate about God and doing his will, I will be drawn to others. I'll find others who share that passion. A practical place for you to begin, and I would encourage you to do it now, particularly during COVID, is to join one of our life groups. Now, being part of a life group, however, is not a guarantee of building close community and friendships. Friendships still emerge from initiation. They still emerge from individuals initiating with others, not merely waiting for others to initiate with them in moving towards people. You take that first step and you move towards someone. You could practice hospitality by opening up your home or sharing a meal together. You could look for someone who shares a common interest, uh, an interest that could serve as a, a jumping off point for your friendship. And as you initiate, begin to slowly push the conversation past the weather or past your job or past your children. Begin to share your spiritual life, what you're reading in the Bible, what you are learning, what uh, insights God is giving you. And then begin to lean into what you're feeling, what you're thinking, your inner self, what you're celebrating, what you're afraid of. Open up your life and bring Christ into the very center of your relationship. You see, God is Trinity. God is Trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has always been that way. He is that way. He will always be that way in the future. He has been in intimate relationship for eternity, an intimate connectedness and community for eternity. One God, three persons, but connected relationally. Therefore, friends, we are made in his image. So it just simply follows that we are made for relationships. The only thing God said about his creation that wasn't good was one thing. Remember, he said it is not good for the man to be alone as he was ready to create Eve. You see, the death and resurrection of Jesus not only brings us forgiveness, but it makes us a new man. And when the New Testament uses that word, it's not referring to one individual man. It refers to a new humanity, men and women now drawn together in connectedness, in spiritual community. He died and resurrected and ascended to heaven in order to place you into a new humanity, a new community, men and women. His death does that. And it gives us 
the cross, the resurrection, give us the very vision and empowerment through its self-sacrifice for authentic community. The cross teaches us, the resurrection teaches us to be strong so we can give comfort and to be weak so we can receive comfort. When the church is healthy and fully functioning, it is a place to know and be known, to serve and be served, and to love and be loved. And I would add to that famous statement this morning, a place to comfort and to be comforted. And so I would challenge you this morning, is will you commit yourself to be a part of healthy, fully functioning churches, not just today, not just next year, but for the rest of your life? Will you commit, no matter what happens through COVID, no matter what happens in the future, will you commit yourself to be a part of that new humanity, to be a part of that church, to be a part of community, the expression of Jesus Christ for which he died and resurrected for. He did not die and resurrect only for your forgiveness. As significant as that is, he died and resurrected to place you into new community. And then secondly, will you commit yourself to spiritual friendships? Will you commit yourself today to initiating and pursuing spiritual friendships for the rest of your life? That is the challenge that I give to you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the places we've been able to go this morning. And I pray for my friends here this morning that you would help them evaluate and to assess their lives, to think about their friendships, to think about the things they've prioritized in their life, and to recognize in a fresh way, in a new way, maybe for the first time, why we so desperately need spiritual friendships and how every one of us needs comfort. We need the presence of friends. We need the presence, God, of you in our lives. We just don't need lectures. We just don't need books to read. We need people with flesh on to bring to our harsh realities the very comfort and presence of Jesus Christ. And you, Father, who is the God of all comfort, the Father of all compassion, may we imitate you in that. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for what he's done. Praise him for his word. Hey, friends, I'm going to give a few announcements here. I'm sorry we've gone a little bit long this morning. And uh, so just hang in with me here. Just have a few announcements to make sure you've got some direction here for our future as things, you know, are constantly on the, on the move and on the change. Um, these things are in our e-letter. Uh, they are um, uh, also on the e, uh, in the, on the app. First of all, again, there's many, I know we, I've met already many guests this morning. So glad you're here. Uh, we have a connection table. Uh, Mandy's back there. And uh, it's right behind the table that has the Cross Crew banner. We've got a gift bag we'd love to give you. Uh, there's a Connect card where you can fill it out. Let us know who you are and how you heard about us. We'd love to send you some more things. And we're just so thrilled you're here. So check out that connection table 
uh, pick up that gift bag before you go this morning. Um, our food pantry is looking for a volunteer on Thursday nights, 5 to 7, one time a month. Check out the uh, information on that. Uh, again, this fall, we are trying to normalize things as much as we can in our church schedule. So uh, October 10th from 9 to 12, including lunch, we are planning our leaders retreat, our fall leaders retreat on October the 10th. So ministry and life group leaders, elders, staff, please circle that date. Um, also, we are hoping to have, we are planning on having our vision night October the 25th from 5 to 6. We're hoping to have it outside. And we will follow that vision night with a harvest party. All right. One thing we believe around here is that we need to have some fun. And uh, so October 25th, we're going to have a socially distanced harvest party. There will be no bobbing for apples on that night. All right. Um, okay. I think the last thing is you received a survey from us. It'll be the first, I think, of two surveys regarding our opening. I'm sorry, our transition uh, going back in back indoors. Our target date for that is November the 1st. This is going to be a process of determining and figuring out what that's going to look like. It's going to be a long process to do that. We really need your feedback and input, so please help us with that. Again, I think that survey will be done by tomorrow, so we need your responses by 5 o'clock tomorrow on that. And then lastly, next, sun, or lastly, next Sunday, Pastor Nick Carruthers will open up a new four-week series called Hope Through History. The Bible has these amazingly phenomenal stories where the people of God are brought to the very brink when all seems lost, when everything is bleak, when it seems there's no way we're going to be rescued, and then God comes through. We thought some of those stories would be a tremendous inspiration to all of us during this particular season. Will you stand for a final blessing? Now may the God of love, may the grace of Jesus, and may the connectedness that the Holy Spirit provides, the intimacy that he provides for us, may all this be yours as we leave this place and are on mission for Jesus in his name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.